0: The GPS DairyCast features the high-value insights of the GPS Dairy Consulting team's trusted advisors and the owners and managers from the elite dairy farms they serve. These conversations deliver on the GPS Dairy Consulting promise to inspire change and grow leaders.
1: Hello and welcome to the GPS DairyCast. I'm Peggy Coffeen from the Uplevel Dairy Podcast, serving as your host. And on this GPS Dairy Cast, you are going to gain real insights on how to use data to make strategic decisions for your dairy farming business. And here to tell us about it our GPS Dairy Consultant Trent Dado, accompanied by Ryan Braun from Ever Egg. Enjoy listening to this GPS Dairy Cast. Trent, go ahead and just take a moment to introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do as a GPS consultant.
0: I
2: live in Northwest Wisconsin. I'm a nutrition and management consultant with GPS Dairy Consulting. So I get to spend most of my time with dairy producers in the great states of Wisconsin and, and Minnesota. So I grew up in Wisconsin, family dairy farm was still there today. I went to school in Minnesota, so thankfully I get to work in two states I have a a lot of history with. Day-to-day job is doing nutrition work, ration work, but also enjoy in conversations around people strategy and also spend quite a bit of time around data, technology, precision, items like that. And that's why the topic today is such, because that's where a lot of my energy and time is spent with the clients I work with.
1: This is your wheelhouse talking all about data and how to make it useful and relevant to the dairy farmers that you're working with. And Ryan, take a moment to introduce yourself to our audience.
3: I also grew up on a dairy farm. I'm still calling that home. and is here in northeastern Wisconsin. I currently work for Everag and I've been here for seven years. And what we're trying to do is really, not only aggregate data off the farm from existing critical control systems, but also generate new novel data that can be added to that to create really expanded insights with passive automatic data collection. So really from the soil all the way to the shelf, trying to create data and distribute that to the stakeholders that need
1: it. So data is the wheelhouse for both of you. And now Trent, as a GPS consultant, you are out there, boots on the ground, every single day having conversations and working alongside dairy producers. Not just as a nutritionist, but as you said, your passion is really digging into the subject of data and how to help your clients make informed decisions for the health of their cows and also the health of their business. So in your experience, Where do you believe is the greatest untapped potential for dairy producers to use data they are collecting to make strategic decisions that could benefit their bottom line?
2: Good question. And I might actually take a step back too to explain a little bit why I invited Ryan to be on the podcast with me here today because he and his company's services are a big part of where I see data going and making strategic decisions on dairy. So Ever Egg and GPS have partnered up doing several different projects. And one is around a dashboard project. So integrating important data from different sources being milk processor, herd management software, feeding software, weather items like that, integrating that into a single pool. And that's actually where I see the most strategic decisions stemming from is from that integration of data. So. Before working with EverEgg, the tools they have there, that's actually what the basis of my time was spent with dairies is trying to understand better the data sources that they have. The main ones being that herd management software and feeding software and then milk weights. So to me, one of the biggest opportunities and is often missed on a surprising number of dairies is the simple collection of how much milk that we ship every day and the quality of that milk. So one of the first things I do, and this is an absolutely free way to do what you could spend a lot of money doing, but is simply creating an Excel spreadsheet or a Google sheet or whatever you want and recording on a daily basis, how much milk you shipped, what the fat and protein of that milk are, and how many cows contributed to that milk. So you can really start to understand on a daily basis what your milk production is. So this sounds like a very rudimentary task and like the basic level of data collection. But just off the cuff, I would probably say that only 60% of our dairies actually truly understand what their true milk production or energy corrected milk production per cow per day is on a daily basis. So to me, that's like step number one. If we don't understand the milk production going out the door, which is the only thing that we really generate revenue from in our business, we can't really go much from there. So that's an absolutely free fundamental step to the data cycle, if you will. But I'd be interested. Obviously, that's a pretty basic one to see if Ryan had any comments on that or similar struggles with integration in the simple data sources.
3: Yeah, especially like you said, Trent, just being able to take that information from your portal or from the milk cart that's being left at the dairy when that truck leaves the farm, putting that into a spreadsheet, knowing how many cows were in the tank that day is definitely the most critical number you can get. And then as you progress towards that, exporting data from other systems, you don't want to do a lot of Excel gymnastics every
2: day, but you're right. That is really the first key step you can take. If I could, Peggy, add one more. Untaps, once you get past the milk, the next one is feed and really starting to try to understand either feed efficiency or more appropriately calculating an income over feed cost on a daily basis on a live basis. Cause really once you account for your largest income source and then your largest expense source, you can really start to gauge the financial health of your business on a consistent matter. So, to me, it's surprising. I don't think a factory would operate without knowing how many units they produce and the costs it took to make those goods, the cogs of those goods. To me, getting a live or a daily income over fee cost is, is actually embarrassing how we haven't got there yet as an industry. Well, that's really where it's challenging to
3: where Now you're talking about three different systems that have to talk to each other. The data from the milk processor portal, the data from the feeding system. And then the number of lactating cows that went in the tank from the herd management tool. So now we start getting pretty
2: complex and automation could be very helpful here. Part of the issue too, is the way that the costs or dollars flow through a dairy does not necessarily bode to having an easy way to calculate income over fee cost. So as an example, when you buy feed, let's say you buy a semi a soybean meal, that cost comes in on that day or that feed comes in that day, but is spanned or fed over a larger span of time. So understanding how that cost is attributed to the different types of milk, for example, is one. The other one, especially for larger dairies that are shipping milk around the clock, is understanding how much milk was actually produced that day. Because when you have six, seven loads of milk leaving the dairy, it might not be that milk that were are was produced on this day was shipped or received by the processor on the same day. I understand the intricacies might make the bold statement around the embarrassment of not having a live and core fee cost. But uh, still, I think uh, that one's a pretty big untapped potential.
1: Trent, what I'm hearing from you is that one of the greatest opportunities is to get the basics down first and to really understand, as you said, and get a a good hold on those two key elements, the biggest income generator and the biggest cost sector of the dairy. So milk produced and then also that feed piece, income and feed costs on a daily basis. But as Ryan alluded to here, there are some complexities that get added into being able to take that information and integrate it with what else is out there. And Ryan, I want to turn over to you for a moment because through your role with EverEgg, you are on these front lines of the cow side data collection. In fact, you're doing some pretty crazy and wild things with Kantus and with this computer visioning that's right in the barn. These are the more advanced types of technologies and data that are out there. But you also get this wide angled view of how the dairy supply chain is using data to up their own operations. Operational efficiencies and transparencies. So give us a bit of the inside scoop here. What are you seeing with processors, suppliers, and distributors and how they're using data throughout the supply chain and bringing that back to the farm level?
3: We definitely are trying to get more involved inside the farm gates with new technologies, not just reiterating old technologies like Kainthus being computer vision, but Beyond the farm gates, that really is where EverEgg has the biggest footprint. We've been around since the early 2000s, trying to establish these critical pieces from the farm gates all the way to the plant. So this data is collecting the information from the bulk tanks, how much milk was shipped, taking the samples, getting those directly sent to the laboratory, and then providing those results back to the farmer as fast as possible. As Trent was saying, for the feed efficiency, to even make that near real-time, you have to get that data back from the plant for raw milk, the pounds, for the energy-corrected the components, so the faster EverEd can facilitate that data transfer from the laboratory back to the producers with our producer portal is really important. And then once we start analyzing that data, like Trent said, trying to make sure we can Either smooth out the number of milk loads that were shipped or understanding how much was produced in 24 hours. That's when we can start layering on top the, the feed costs and all of those different aspects of what it took to create that milk.
1: Trent, what would you add to that from what you see?
2: It's funny how often myself and dairies I get to work with forget about the milk once it's in the tanker, once it's left the driveway. So, It's often a back part of our mind what we actually rely on in terms of data coming back from the processor. So like Ryan said, the data coming back from the processor on a tiling matter is huge, but I'd also add to that the accuracy of that data. One thing that I think we often overlook is the type of variation that we see in our component values, for example. I'll often have dairies pull up their portal or their milk sheet and they'll show me, hey, look at this. And they'll show me a fat test that was at like eight or nine percent, something that's obviously a mistake. And they're doing it as a joke. But when we start thinking about the dollars that are placed, so that's a, a tanker load of milk and the fat is twice as high when you get paid $2 per pound of fat. We're talking that processor, or if it's the vice versa, if you have a low fat test, the types of dollars that are being missed on. It's just this huge when you talk about any number of cows. So I think we're actually having a pretty big misunderstanding and missed opportunity in terms of understanding that data accuracy once that milk has left the farm. And that obviously goes on down the supply chain. Everybody needs to have accurate data to make sure everyone's being paid for the product appropriately. I see it very variable. Some processors and some data is very accurate and close to what the farm should be producing. Some are all over the boards. Interesting thing I've been seeing in the field.
3: But that's really the case everywhere, right? Even recording health treatments, if you record every treatment as a new case of disease, when you go to look at your analytics later on, you're going to get that garbage in garbage out effect. And I think that's a key problem with analyzing data too, where you can't just trust everything
2: is the truth
3: sometimes.
2: And that's where you wish we were like the accounting industry and they have their Guidelines of accounting principles. We have no type of this is how you diagnose a RP or metritis and entered in here. This is the acceptable amount of variation that you should have in your components in your tanks leaving the farm. So I think having a lack of these guidelines or principles actually leads to a lack of focus around them. I think also this is where the sensors, the
3: collars, and the pedometers, and also the computer vision comes into play where. Not to say you won't have anomalies, but the data generated passively and objectively, not by humans entering it into a computer, that's really where we start to see the most accurate data, where we can trust that what was being recorded is binary. A computer was able to calculate it, and they said, okay, this is what we saw, and every day it's going to be very consistent. Whereas a human, they might diagnose a ketosis one day on a cow, and the next day miss something. So just a lot
2: more feel, foolproof uh, on data generation and collection. Could you explain that? I think using this as an example of like low feed bunks or something and comparing this observation of a low feed bunk versus a human and what the differences might be in terms of the accuracy of the data.
3: Yeah. Using the visual sensors, the camera. We're able to connect that to a computer, train the algorithms that are looking at those feed bunks every day, and then looking at when a feed delivery occurred, looking at the percentage of feed that is now in front of those cows, and then watching the cows and the humans interact with it and seeing how that feed quantity changes throughout the day. So obviously, it's going to get farther away from the headlocks. Somebody will come in and push it back up, but we'll notice the amount of feed going down So. All day the computer is looking at the quantity of feed there and getting a percentage. So when that speed goes low or missing, it's able to really accurately quantify that bunk and give you a score, which should be much more reliable than a human going into that barn at any period of time and just scoring the bunks themselves, Uh, whether that's a different person every day or they're just having a bad day or trying to go too fast. This is something that's a lot more consistent. And that's true for all the metrics that we're able to capture, cows lying down, other computer vision technologies, looking at locomotion scoring, something that is very hard to do if you're going to do it for eight hours at a time and try to be consistent. And from one day to the next, we'll actually grade the same cows differently, whereas the computer vision is almost spot on every day. So that's really where that consistency and objectivity comes in.
1: So Trent, as you hear Ryan just really elaborate for our listeners about the potential of something like computer visioning through Canthus, how exciting is it for you to see a future in dairy where it's this computer visioning and other technologies that could provide some really accurate data that's relevant to cow health and also can be transmitted back to the bottom line?
2: It's really exciting and intimidating and overwhelming kind of all at the same time, especially now where we have such a range of adoption of these technologies too. We have dairies yet in in the U S and again, I'm not picking on any anybody here, but that are bull bred, very little use of herd management software. They still use batch sheets, paper batch sheets out in the feed wagons. So we have that all the way to can't this computer vision, robotic rotaries sort gates the whole nine yards. So to me, there's an overwhelming amount of conversation that needs to be had by dairies as they make the progression forward. Cause I do see a day where, you know, we continually t- to adopt these technologies as they become better understood in terms of what their return are and how dairies can use them. One thing about a lot of these technologies is that they rely on the efficiency of labor or the elimination of labor but oftentimes when we implement a technology, we'll just say that we implement a feeding software, for example. That, yeah, maybe the feeder becomes more efficient, but it's not like you're able to fire the feeder all together. It's not like the feeder is going to be willing to be paid for an hour or less of time just because he has feeding software now. So there's a lot of these technologies that we have to better understand how they're going to impact beyond just the financial or just beyond the labor efficiency side of things, because until you're able to eliminate a position and that you actually are going to eliminate the position, the return is going to be minimal. So I think the technologies and the improvement in data that actually results in direct increases in performance will be those first ones to be adopted on a wide basis.
1: And Trent, I want to just tap into your extreme knowledge and expertise of seeing technology applied at the farm level in the work that you do. What technologies that you see on dairies are you seeing really being the best return on investment or the best potential for a long-term ROI?
2: Of course, anything that you can implement for free. Is going to have the best ROI because you don't need much of a return at all to have a really high ROI. But unfortunately, Everag and other technology providers don't sell their stuff for free very often. But one technology that I would highlight and I see adopting at a very fast rate currently would be rumination activity monitors. So I think when these types of systems first came out, they are just a cool niche that could help you breed more cows without the use of off-sync type programs or could help find that sick cow a little bit faster. But what I start to see happen more and more is that we're able to use this technology to be able to manage a greater number of cows with less people and with impacting the cow less. For example, normal fresh cow routines include locking up the fresh cows for an hour at a time and take one to two guys to run through the fresh cows and do a bunch of temperature checks and help pay a bunch of cows, do the full routine. Now that the rumination activity monitors are becoming much more prevalent and you're only taking those cows that you need to interact with, both the impact on the cow becomes a lot less. And now you go from two guys in an hour to one guy with 30 minutes.
1: And Ryan, your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, I think that's definitely key and what we see a lot of our clients
3: trying to reduce is that headlock time trying to make sure that those cows have the most time possible to choose what they want to do and not be locked up for chores or vet check and really trying to expedite that. So what you're saying, Trent, I don't think it's a direct ROI that you're able to correlate directly to pounds of milk in the tank. But if the employees are more efficient, they can get more done with interrupting the cows less. I think that's really where we see efficiency score. And then also having these data analytics to do the investigation and figure out what you can do to tweak your business and perform better. You can't do that without that data.
1: So Trent, I'm going to revert back to you here for a moment. How do you and your role help guide the use of data to make strategic decisions for the businesses of your clients?
2: It looks different for everybody and depends on the individual clients or producers appetite for adopting some of these, like I said, some dairies are very willing to, let's just say, give things a try. For example, that when a new technology comes out or a new product, feed product comes to the market, they want to be one of the first to give it a try to take advantage of some of those competitive advantages and be part of the development of these products sometimes. Most of the time, however, we'll just call them middle of the road adopters, right? They're going to wait for a few of their neighbors to adopt it before they, they implement it themselves. And those conversations are much more around how we actually see the implementation and long-term use of this technology working on the dairy. One of the saddest things to see is a dairy that will invest a lot of money, but also the time on onboarding a piece of technology or an improved way to collect data. And then a year later, you see it like in the side of the herdsman office not being used at all. So I try to spend as much time up front, truly trying to understand what they're going to change in terms of their management to create that return. So I think oftentimes we just expect the technology or information to create it on its own, but it actually takes a lot of time and intentionality. And actually get it to return lots of time up front to get that done.
3: For us, it's really important when we go to a farm to sell any, or a, any company to sell a software solution. It's really trying to figure out what problem is it meant to solve that we know if it's just going to be installed for the sake of putting it in. As Trent said, it's going to be left on the side of the desk or, or completely abandoned very
2: quickly. So if there's not a problem it's solving, it shouldn't be used or, or looked at. I think it can be pretty basic too. We all have herd management software for the most part. Ryan was saying, whether it's accurate or not, you have your counts of RPs and metritis, but how often are we intentional about actually going into the events page and seeing what the trend of RPs are on the dairy or how accurate they might be. So even with the data that we collect for free and have there, we do a pretty poor job of actually looking at it. So it's about trying to create that intention to do it and making the data and technology that we implement actionable in some way or another.
1: We've talked a lot about the opportunities that are untapped. And what I'm hearing from you, Trent, is there's a lot of opportunities that many dairies have at their fingertips that could be tapped into more before that next level of investment is even made, and as you've talked about, it's looking at herd management software. It's as simple as starting with a spreadsheet to track those the daily milk production and getting a better idea of the milk going out, leaving the dairy, and also the utilization of feed. And those are things that are maybe the more basic level before we look at and even further integration and utilization of data and technology, like what Ryan's been talking about.
2: When you start talking about data and technology, quite honestly, a lot of people start tuning out because it. everyone's been beating the same drum for a while. That technology is going to continue to be a bigger part of dairy. It's going to continue to be cheaper. But I truly believe until we get those fundamentals correct, that we're going to continue to spin our wheels a lot in terms of proper implementation of this technology. So that's where I do see Ryan's point that he just made here around making sure that what we're pursuing are actually solving real problems to be really important. I don't think we spend enough time either determining what those problems really are that data or technology could solve. To me, I think a fun exercise always, what are the worst jobs to do on a dairy or what are the most dangerous jobs to do on a dairy? So to me, the fact that we still have guys climbing 20 feet up on the air to remove tires and plastic from pile piles, again, pretty embarrassing for our industry that we don't spend any time or resources developing technology to increase the safety of that job. Yet we have every sensor that can tell you. When that cow is going to take a pee three hours from now, it's just silly to a certain extent.
1: I think you bring up some good points, Trent, of really asking those questions to better understand where the problems lie. And that's the same thing you talked about, Ryan, too, before investing in technologies and before having more data at your fingertips. So, Ryan, in, in your experience, what do you believe are the lowest hanging fruits the problems that the technologies that you talk with dairy producers about, what are the problems that are the most solvable and most common through what you offer? So
3: I would say, I mean, it's really variable, but I would say what we try to do is get people to look at year over year or period over period comparisons and see what has the biggest deviation over that time frame. So if you're looking at your farm and pregnancy rate went down five percent year over year and somatic cell is up 61 percent year over year and everything else is flat i think you have a pretty good idea of what two things you should focus on in the next year to try to get back to your target performance and then look at technologies or labor protocols that can improve that so if it is something with feed availability maybe that's where the family would look at campus. It's something with somatic cell, maybe it's in improving the, the labor and the bedding area, but I really think each farm has to start out with what are the metrics that are important to us and then look at the deviations and then figure out the levers that you can pull sure. or whether that's an ever solution or that's a combined solution or having a consultant like Trent come in and help push you in the right directions. I think that's the path that you have to take.
1: And Trent, what would you add to that when you really want to take a step back and look at a strategic approach to being able to identify those problems and to implement different ways to solve them, whether they're through through some of these big data and technology conversations or even as you've brought up, getting back to the basics, speak to the strategy side when it comes to making business decisions.
2: And this is where I think it directly correlates to you as a financial business person. Because everything we're doing this to make money. So until we have a good understanding of, we'll just say our financial statements, your P and Ls, your your budgets, your balance sheets. Having a good understanding of those is where you need to start. And that kind of relates to Ryan's point about understanding where you're trending year over year. But once you put it on a financial basis, you can start to understand really where you need to start devoting some more resources, whether that be more labor allocation or whether you want to add some assistance to with technology. For example, let's say that our cull-cull value is too low uh, or lower compared to our peers. That likely means that we're shipping a lot of severely sick animals. Some cows that probably shouldn't be on a truck at all. They're going down the road instead of heavy fat cull cows. So this likely means that we need to implement something or have some sort of protocol to make sure that we are capturing those cows before they get that sick or before they get that injured. So that's where I see something like a activity monitor that can catch that cow sick or before she's lost 300 pounds, items like that. So I think when you start from the financial side and having a good advisor in that space can actually lend very useful when it comes to decisions around where you want to spend more resources and time.
1: Ryan and Trent, you have shared some great insights in this conversation about using data to make strategic decisions for dairy farming businesses. And any wrap-up thoughts, final thoughts from the two of you on this subject?
0: So
2: one of the things, like I, I said, it's easy to get overwhelmed and bombarded. And there's salespeople like Ryan go door-to-door selling this and cool stuff. And although it can be a lot, I would challenge us to all spend time exploring and learning about it because although it might be difficult to find the return or the spot on the dairy for a tool right now as we continue to grow our businesses and the dairy industry evolves likely all these technologies computer vision machine learning all those buzzwords are going to become integral in terms of our business so spend some time now you don't have to spend four hours a day exploring all the new technology but When you have the opportunity, take them up on it and learn a little bit about what's coming.
1: Thank you, Trent. And final thoughts from you, Ryan?
3: Yeah, I think same as what Trent said. I think you have to have a purpose for implementing something and you have to make sure that these systems are going to talk to each other and be able to work with your employees. Because otherwise, if you have data that's all siloed and you're not able to do these analytics easily, You're just going to end up frustrated and if the employees can't interact with the tools on a daily basis and get the value out of them, you're going to end up in the same place. So definitely look for tools that are easy to use, that are working with other companies and really are solution driven and solve problems rather than just cool new tech that may or may not help your business
1: thanks for those final thoughts. And what one of the common themes between the two of you and what really comes out in this conversation is that both of you understand dairy, understand it at the farm level, also see the potential for where technology could take the decision-making process, but want to make sure that those decisions are practical and profitable. And so as we wrap up our conversation today, Trent, as a GPS dairy consultant, I just want to take a moment to revisit with you the mission of GPS, and that's to grow leaders and inspire change. How do you hope that you are doing that with your clients, with the expertise you bring in, not just on the nutrition side, but on these bigger conversations that really affect their business, their bottom line, and the health of their cows?
2: I think the space of data and technology is a, a space where requires a lot of leaders and requires a lot of change. Let's just take a simple Im- implementation of, we'll just say a feeding software. That's a big change of itself, right? Going from batch sheets, which you've used for decades to a computer-based software that you have to learn to trust. And you also need a leader that's going to actually take charge of it and implement it. So. My job with GPS and working with my dairies is to keep people sane during these transitions so I can help bring ideas and help coach those leaders that are going to be implementing these types of things. But yeah, it's, it's about being there for the client when changes arise and guiding through some cool new opportunities.
1: And those opportunities are just opening up as what the future can hold for technology to be a part of making strategic decisions with data in our dairy farming businesses. Trent and Ryan, thank you for jumping on with us for the GPS Dairy Cast. I'm your GPS Dairy Cast host, Peggy Coffeen from the Up Level Dairy Podcast. Thank you for listening.
0: The GPS Dairycast features conversations that deliver on the GPS Dairy Consulting promise to inspire change and grow leaders. If this GPS Dairycast has you looking for more ways to become an elite dairy producer, find more information in our show notes on how you can add a GPS advisor to your team. And you won't want to miss the GPS Dairy Leaders Forum, an exclusive leadership event with two days of learning and networking more than 20 world-class speakers and nine interactive breakout sessions. The 2023 Dairy Leaders Forum will be December 5th through the 7th at Mystic Lake Hotel in Prior Lake, Minnesota. Inspire, dream, learn, do, and become more. Find forum details in the show notes.